2: Kia ora and welcome to the Aotearoa Rugby pod again this week after a weekend of action. The action we've been waiting for really, seeing the Aussies, seeing some different styles, seeing some different teams and it was a mixed bag I suppose. James Parsons, Bryn Hall down in Christchurch. What did you make of that first weekend there Jipper? When you think about the way that the Aussie teams stood up to the Kiwi teams and what was a 5-0, not romp, but success?
3: Yeah, I think you saw a little bit of, um, I suppose the travel. Um, player factor. I think, you know, obviously with the Chiefs having to go uh, of after a final and, and going to the force, that was quite a challenging trip and, and nearly, nearly tripping them up. Um, and then I suppose the nature of the beast of not playing um, oppositions, I think, you know, if you look at the Canes Waratahs, the, the different styles showed that defensively it posed some challenges, which led to an exciting brand of footy all, all weekend and um, some high scoring matches, which was entertaining. I suppose, but I think as this progresses, it'll tighten up and be a lot closer than people probably predict after round one.
2: You had a tight one, Bryn, uh, 31-29. You're standing underneath the goalposts waiting to see whether or not you're going to draw it. Um, how did you feel that um, that game played out? The Brumbies <coughs> are a gutsy
4: team. Yeah, it was. we were pretty lucky in the end, I think. Um, yeah, the way he was, um, the unless he was kicking, probably thought that was going to go over him. And I guess draws at this kind of time of year. Even in this competition, with it being a sprint, it's, it's seen as a loss. So, um, yeah. yeah, gutted for him, and it was great to see the Brumbies teammates to go over and um, uh, give him a bit of, bit of love after missing that, after putting a hell of a performance. But um, yeah, I guess for us, we just started off pretty well. But um, I guess the scrums was a was a big one. Uh, I think both teams talked about it in the media around just adapting that, and you know we probably didn't adapt well of that. Um, so um, didn't couldn't get momentum through that, and um, you know we gave away penalties again. Discipline was massive for us again. Uh, we've talked a lot about it on this podcast and look, we gave away 17 penalties and had 17 unforced errors. So putting it on, on top of the scrum um, the scrum and not being able to get momentum off that through it being stop-started and trying to adapt to it. Um, you know, we put ourselves in good positions but um, our discipline let, let, let them off the hook a bit and then um, unforced errors at probably um, times where we were getting ready to break them but an execution of not a pass or... Um, a breakdown penalty or losing the ball just kind of really felt it like real clunky. So probably as viewers as well, it probably felt like that. But um, yeah, I think the Brumbies came back in that last 10 minutes and showed why um, they were the finalists. And look, there could, well, could have been a drawing in and it probably would have been a, um, a result that they would have been happy with. So yeah, but the biggest learning I think is probably adapting um, to, the, to the new laws, sorry, to the new teams that you've talked about, um, especially in scrum time. And um, it wasn't just in our game. Um, you know there are other teams as well that um, problems just adapting to Australian teams so I think going forward it'll be something that we worked on and uh, it'll be a lot more free-flowing I think week two in the weeks coming forward.
3: Dave Harvilli just thought, oh, I haven't shown the complete package, I'll just go for an intercept try just to, <laughs> just to round my season out. Uh, that, that was quite impressive from him but I, I, thought, I thought touching on the scrums it looked like the Crusaders um, sort of had a little bit of dominance and speaking to Jace Ryan is looked like um, obviously the the Brumbies just couldn't absorb that hit Uh, but you did make the adjustments and and maybe just waited for them to hit you you guys and then generate your power after that so um, they they struggled the week before against the Reds as well Um, so it's an area that normally they're they're really solid at and strong at and obviously you've got a few Wallabies um, up front there so an area that they'll want to sort out and I think the Kiwi scrums across the board. If you saw um, in the Chiefs' force game, the, the Blues obviously as well were quite dominant. So um, you know something that you know you have to look forward to. You know I don't think the All Blacks have had that dominance against the Wallabies. So interesting to see that across the board in, in the five games.
2: But that tight head <laughs> from the Chiefs on the opposition line was spectacular.
3: Yeah, massive. It was it was it was huge, and, and it was moments like that that probably got them through um that game um because if you looked at the yellow cards in the in the chiefs force game you know they they made double tackles. i think brad webber was their second highest tackles at, at 14. so when your halfbacks making that sort of amount of tackles if there was 15 on the field you'd be looking at your tight forwards going what are you doing to me lads i'm making that many tackles but because obviously with the with the yellow cards and the red cards he had to be in the front line a lot making those tackles and those sorts of plays, and then I, I think the lessons they took out of the final, they really made um, the force pay with their yellow card, scoring the two tries, mm. and that was I think that pass that passage of play, won them you know Nate Harris's try and then Soakula um, setting up Jonah Lowe, uh, that took the score to that 27, and I know they nearly lost it, and you know you'd almost expect Moita Eti to, to you know nail that um, kick mm. normally, but um, that passage of play, that 10 minutes where they got that, you know, those 10 points um, was, was massive in, in getting that result.
2: One of the things that you could see from both of those close games where the kick was the last play of the game and it could have been a draw or it could have been a win, the reaction from the Aussie teams to their goal kicker, the way they surrounded him, they got in behind him, gave him a pat on the bum you know, and just said, mate, we're with you. It showed a lot about the culture within these teams.
3: Absolutely, but if you look at it, the goal kicking of both teams probably kept them in it. Mm. You know, like uh, Lolasio was—he was a sharpshooter—and Moita the same. Like they, they didn't look like missing all night, and then and they, they both only just missed. Um, you know, it looked mm. like they were they were going over, and it was the right side, um, especially in the force game for the right footer, but it just shaved away like a. Little, little slice on the golf course. Um, but yeah. You've had a few of those in your time. Oh, plenty. And yeah. hooks, not yeah. many straight. Um, but yeah, no, look, it, it, it added to the spectacle. And, and as I said, I think it just like that first weekend, it will tighten up as, as they get mm-hmm. used to each other.
2: Mm. Bryn, did you feel like the constant restarts at Scrum maybe aided the Brumbies a little bit? They, they're a team that quite doesn't mind stop-start.
4: Um, I guess I guess a little bit. I think for us, um, I think we were a little bit frustrated around because obviously we, you want to play at a high tempo and um, I guess for us, we started so well with scoring a try off our face play and getting a really quick ball. Um, and then, you know, we scored in the corner with Ethan Blackhead in the first probably five minutes. And then after that passage of play, we went, um, a lot of set kicks out on the full. And then, you know, we, I think we had about four or five resets and then we ended up getting a penalty from that. But um, yeah, it just kind of stunts, stunts it a little bit. And again, you, we did talk about it on the field around trying to adapt to that and saying, um, having a solution around it. Um, you know, you will really leave that to our forwards, and uh, they tried to do the best they could. Uh, but yeah, it does. It was something different that we probably haven't faced this year, um, just around with stop starts. And I think probably um, a plane that has been used against us in the past is probably slowing it down, not due to uh, not, not for scrums, but um, a tactical um and it's a tactical injury, possibly, um, to try and slow down the game. But this was a little bit different. It wasn't trying to do it on purpose. It was more so, um, yeah, just the the rules and I guess the the change of what it, what the Australians' boys scrummer scrummage like. So um, for us moving forward, it's something that we might we we have to talk about. We talked about it um, yesterday around what that might look like and having a plan in place. Because um, again, when you do get your when you do get your opportunities, when you do have the ball in play, um, yeah, we didn't execute very well. So. Uh, That'll be definitely a thing moving forward, especially with the Reds who have a good scrum and especially with the travel factor going at Brisbane, uh, they'll be a completely different team um, emotionally when they play against um, uh, us on Saturday night. Tactical injuries, how prevalent are they? Oh, every team, every team, every team does it. Every team does it. Um, Yeah, I think... You might need a breather
3: now and again, don't you? Everyone needs a breather.
4: Everybody Everybody does. Um, But... Yeah, it's just it's just again it's coming back to we haven't played an Australian team in you know eighteen months, so um, they bring something a little bit different even defensively as well. They brought something different on the weekend which we aren't used to. Uh, New Zealand teams you know predominantly want to put you uh, under pressure, whereas um, the Brumbies on the weekend were actually pretty good at um, just connecting and being a little bit more passive. And um, we probably didn't adapt to that. And like I said before, on the edges we had a couple opportunities to to draw and pass and put it away, and we would probably score off a couple of those plays, but. Um, again, coming back to the Brumbies and how they defend, um, they did really well around just connecting and then um, defended for long passages play just after half time. I think we went 16, 18 phases um, in that passage play. So, um, again, it's just adapting, no different to the scrums. We have to adapt to that, but um, just getting used to how the Australian teams defend and how they play as well. Two things one great answer. Secondly, masterclass in
2: changing the subject. Oh, (laughs) classic.
3: Absolutely brilliant. That's the school of uh, Canterbury Crusaders right there. (laughs) Tasman Crusaders, sorry. (laughs) Tasman Crusaders.
2: Uh, what about the Reds? Uh, you know obviously the champions of Australia, um, people were maybe expecting a little bit more from them on that first game?
3: Yeah I, th- I think so I mean first off I want to point out that every time Michael Collins starts at centre the Highlanders win so I just think they should put him in the 13 jersey for for the rest of the year um, but I was surprised at their tactics exiting they they were putting sort of um, up and under Bombs, I'd say. I don't want to say contestable because they were too far to be contestables. And then the Highlanders were just getting easy catches and and attacking opportunities around their halfway, and they were straight away into their half. Um, and I thought Sam Gilbert was exceptional on the night. You know, he he was he was great at the back there. Um, and and it just didn't work for them, and they kept going to it all night. Yeah. Um, and I, and if they're going to do that, they might as well start Vunivalu and kick high and contestable to his wing because he's clearly, that's his strength, that's his weapon, so use it. Or it, chance your arm, run the ball, bring the, uh, you know, the winger up or the backfield up and then kick from your nine or something. Like, mm. you, the way they did it, it just didn't manipulate the backfield at all and it just made it far mm. too easy for the Highlanders to just get straight into a, a rhythm and and too easy to pick off and it just didn't, it didn't set the standard that I was sort of expecting in terms of their, their kick strategy and, and hadn't seen it and and like I, I got the theory of what they're trying to do maybe it was just poor execution and and they yeah. were looking for that contestable kicking game but it was it was just far too far and far too easy for the Highlanders and I think that got them off to the rocky start and then they just couldn't peg it back from there but the Highlanders looked really good and, the, and they were really sharp from that week off and they, they prepared really well and Maybe the Reds. I think it was a really unfair short turnaround after a final. They win a final and then get a Friday night game. That's pretty ruthless. <laughs> and and you know they have to rest a lot of players, uh, a lot of their big guns coming off the bench. So there's a lot of reasons as to why they weren't as slick as we were expecting. And I think if you were ever to get the Reds in this competition, that was a perfect um, occasion mm. for the Highlanders. Not making excuses for them.
2: You guys are in a similar situation. How hard was it actually to turn around from a final into week one?
4: Yeah, it's not your normal preparation. Obviously, um, you play a week. You play a week um, more than some of the other teams. And um, yeah, we had probably a later start, but fortunately, we had that extra day. So um, you know, feel sorry for those. Not, not sorry, but I guess it was just a bit unfortunate for those Reds boys having to travel as well, um, yeah. and then having that day extra. But I guess for us, yeah, it was it was a little bit tougher. I think um, you know, obviously. Um, having the celebrations with family and friends, and um, having a, probably starting a day later, but you know for us it was just more so getting the job done and um, was trying to back it up. Um, so, but it was a little bit different. It's obviously not a normal week, but um, yeah, for us it was it was tough. But again, got the got the win. And but again, we've got a, a tough encounter against the Reds this week. Who um, yeah, I think will be a lot more a little bit different. It's their tenth year anniversary of when they beat us in the final. So that will add motivation to, to their group. And obviously, Thorny, with no added motivation, have, have putting a lot of, um, of work into the jersey when it's time in the, the Crusaders. So, um, we're expecting a different team. And I think one thing again for that Reds game, um, the Highlanders attacking kick game, really, um, they really benefit from that. I think Machan put in a lot of kicks. If you're talking around manipulating the backfield, um, they get it to his pair of hands and then they'd bring their full back up quite quick and they'd put in a lot of kicks in behind them, which actually got him behind them. Um, and then they reap rewards from that. and I think with that pressure of the kicking game, um putting those contestables up, you want to say contestables, probably the execution was off a little bit with the with the um with the Reds, probably led to them not being able to get out of their half early in that first half. Yeah. Um the inability of just to be able to not exit out gave the Highlanders a lot of opportunities to get into that um into their twenty two and I thought, you know, Aaron Smith's tempo and that, especially in that Department of the field uh, really led to their uh, old old ways of being able to attack in that face post shape and really, really hurt the Reds. So, um, yeah, they'll probably see that and um, they'll get back home and um, they're going to pose a lot more problems, I think, being emotional. We're back at home with that reunion, 10-year anniversary, <clears throat> and um, being back at home.
3: I like I like what the Highlanders have done as well. We've seen a lot of specials and we spoke about that around the line-out plays. And they showed a little bit of that, but then they went to the mall and a lot of the Reds were standing off, and obviously three tries to the hookers shows that, you know, they they read the pitches and the cues and adjusted and went straight through the middle of them. And that's the benefit of changing uh, your attack and having the ability to have a bit of success in and around the tail of that line out uh, in the 22. It has defences thinking, well, we've got to be aware here, and it doesn't allow you to commit and you hesitate just that second, and if you get that punch and that maul going, Nash Dixon's one of the best, as we know, at the back of that maul, and he made some great decisions to fly off and score, and then Coltman doing the same. Um, they're really finding that mojo back, the Highlanders, in that balance of attack when they get into that 22, and they're becoming quite a ruthless team. Um, that mm. When they get in there, they, they come away with points.
2: It's difficult. Obviously, the t- opposition team, You know, they do their homework. But when you've got that much variety
3: it's it's tough and 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 that's what I mean they're becoming quite ruthless in their execution and and they're really clear on their plan and 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 accurate and winning the ball first but then and you know executing it is, is is the other piece of the puzzle which they probably didn't have quite right at the start of the season and now they're, they're having guys committed to their lines to suck in those defenders that gives them the ability to you know, go for the kill and score points.
2: Brin, mm-hmm. execution wasn't a problem on attack for the Hurricanes or the Waratahs, <laughs> but on defence, uh, they didn't even bother.
4: Yeah, I can imagine Corey we' having a few um, sleepless nights over in over in Sydney, or when he's back in Wellington. Um, but yeah, it was definitely an attacking spe- spectacle, wasn't it? Um, you know, you look at that Waratahs try, that probably... Could be nomination for try of the year with um with that long, uh, range effort, but um yeah it was, it was an attacking flowing game and I think again we've talked a lot around the the Hurricanes face play shape and how much, um opportunities it creates and how many um and how hard it is to defend and yeah, that was at the forefront, on the weekend so um yeah I think they'll probably give the attack a big tick scoring cricket cricket points uh, cricket runs sorry, but um yeah just defensively um yeah they were, yeah it was pretty. They'll probably have a, a an honest review around that, but again, for the Waratahs, their attack was great as well. You know, when you can score forty eight points, or it was forty eight points. Um, you know, it's great for their for their attacking coach, but I think both teams will probably go away um, and look at their defence and be able to how they can be a little bit better around that.
3: I think I think on their defence, it's it's funny when you look at the stats and and just shows you stats don't always show the full picture. <laughs> The, the Canes tackled at 89%, and the Tars at 87%. <coughs>
2: so they just weren't there to tackle. Yeah, so I, tackles, I think it,
3: there. it's when you, the, the punish of the, when they missed one, it almost led to a try. Mm. You mm. know, if you, if you mm. um, use C's try, when he just busts through, he scores. So it's that scramble D wasn't there as such. But if it was 47% possession to the Tars, 53 to the Hurricanes. The Hurricanes made nearly double the amount of tackles. So although Corey Jane might be having sleepless nights, and I know that I'm not defending New Zealand versus Aussie here, but it shows that even though that the possession was quite even, the fact that the Canes nearly, nearly made double the amount of tackles shows that they at least made the Tars really try and earn the try. So they made 204 attempts, 181 tackles, to the Tars 98 tackles for 113 attempts. So they were constantly having to actually get the, through the bodies to have to score those 48 points. I know 48 points isn't great, but at least they were putting bodies in front of them to, to get those tackles. And what they can't live with, I think, both defensive outlets, is the tries through the middle. And you mentioned the tars will be happy with their attack, and I think it was all based around Gordon. So Gordon, we mentioned mm. last week, against a rush D, which the Hurricanes have, if the nine can get out like a Nick White, and, and there's that staggered rush D. Yeah. He sucks in defence, and if he can pick the right player, a hole will appear because if they're not connected and if you've got quick ball, it creates that space. And, you know, if you looked at those first few tries, he had a winger on his shoulder and he pops it and he goes through. He has forwards coming around the quarter, bodies in motion, he picks the right guy. I don't even think the guy that he hit, the lock, uh, was expecting it. If you watch on the replay, he's like, oh. But he, and then he offloads and, and um, scores. And then if it gets to the point where they're, you know, they're not even in holes and the Hurricanes are set, he can go deep out the back to a first five. But because Gordon is taking that ball out and he's running and he's, and he's sucking in a defender, it's giving them quite a lot of options. And I think that's the key to the Waratahs' success going forward and something <laughs> the Blues will need to be aware of because he, he's actually um, quite effective at it when, when he gets confident. And he, that his, he hasn't played a lot of footy this this year, but that will give him a lot of confidence to the way he played um, on the weekend. The CEO yeah. from the Waratahs comes out and says they need a complete
2: overhaul after the loss. That can't be good for the team currently playing. You, 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 you don't want to read that headline, do you?
3: Not when, um, you know, they've already got rid of their coach. You know, yeah. like, they've already disrupted the season by doing that. Then after... <laughs> This game, like, I, I suppose they're, what they're trying to do, I suppose, is to send a message to the fan that they un- they understand it's not looking right and they're trying to put things in place to um, get a change, I suppose. That's what I, I assume he's trying to do. Um, but it's not ideal to the players. But the players also understand the scoreline's yeah. not ideal as well. And At the end of the day, we are in a results-based business. Um, so, you know... We've, we, you do have to shore up and, and can't allow that many points. But again, I think it will tighten up, and, and I'll use Geordie Barrett's um, influence as an example. We're so used to seeing Geordie, and, and if you look at his try um, where he set up, uh, I think it was Umanga Jensen, and if you, you, you've got the forward runner, and he normally has a tip runner outside him, and he's got another guy outside him, and, and he... He stays square, you're, you're defending me as a Waratahs, another Waratahs defender out on the tit runner, and Geordie Barrett pops up on my outside shoulder and he runs through, yep. and he busts through between us because there's no defender there. We're so used to seeing that as, as Kiwis, and we will always mark Geordie and and so close up that space. The Waratahs didn't, and he busts through, and he links with the Jensen, and Ermanga Jensen scores. So they'll get used to these sort of nuances that the Kiwi teams try to play. And again, we've seen Geordie Barrett come from the inside where he loops around, there's a short ball player. And when he scored his own individual try, he started inside. I think Auburn Ledger gives it out the back and he just runs around and scores. And there's that short ball runner that sucks in that defender. Again, we saw that they did it against the Crusaders. So there's a few phase play things that Australian teams probably haven't seen. That again, I think after the weekend, They'll be aware of and adjust, and we won't see, I suppose, the tries that we saw that were so easily, um, I suppose, executed on the weekend. So I don't think it's as panic stations as
1: that article
3: <laughs> suggests. But yeah. I, can, I can probably see where he's trying to he's trying to send a message to the fans that they're, they're on top of it as such i suppose
2: yeah i was going to ask about rebuilding but the crusaders know nothing about rebuilding (laughs) all they know about is his title so um (laughs) i'll ask anyway brin what would they do if they were to rebuild how do they go about it
0: hiring for your small business if you're not looking for professionals on linkedin you're looking in the wrong place that's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank
4: First and foremost, you've got to be able to have a plan in place for what that looks like, and patience is is probably the word you want to use. And it's probably not um, suitable for a business like ours, when I mean, you know it's all based on results and being able to get wins on on the on the, on the table. So um, I think it's you know all teams go through all teams go through rebuild, and if you look at the, with the Warriors, a lot of their players um, you know players that have done a lot for their for their club have, have gone offshore. So um, You've got to be patient have a plan in place around that. So you could have a coach that you trust and can have a plan for about, you know, for example, you know, three years would be you know a minimum of having trust for a coach to be able to have his plan around what that looks like and having the players that he wants and then having a brand of style that um, he wants to bring to the team as well. So um, I think that's that's one of the, the solutions that you could have. But again, it's pretty tough when you are losing games and you've got to be brave in those certain scenarios because, um, you know, for change for a lot of guys that have left and, you um, if it's a young team that are a little bit inexperienced, um, you've got to be able to trust them. Um, so I think moving forward, that's probably a solution that they could have. Um, whether they have the patience and they would, they can do that, um, will probably be soon be seen in, in the future. Mm, that probably leads us to the Blues quite well because they've shown
2: patience in their rebuild. Um, got a good win on the weekend.
3: Yeah, I, well, I was really happy with the performance. I think it was a little bit scratchy probably the first 30 minutes with a few errors. Mm-hmm. I think you know, there was 11 unforced errors, and most of those came in that 30 minutes but what I liked about was I suppose the tactical shift um, and that patience you spoke of if, if I used um, for that tactical shift I use Otiri Black this kicking game for example he caught it on the halfway he runs 10 metres so he's now in his attacking half around the 40 which is quite a good zone and he plugs the corner and it, and it didn't go out and they end up making a tackle tackle the rebels about five meters out from the try line and they get a line out just you know by their 22 and then Zahn sullivan catches around the halfway and he kicks a nice flat kick and it goes out so they clearly had a a tactical shift around we're going to win that territory battle because they know when they win that territory battle and and they you know sort of try to wear teams out in the first half that they can come on Mm. on top of them come home strong and then the tactical shift again was build scoreboard pressure we saw every time they got a penalty they went went for three and even from long distance Zan Sullivan got a good boot so he went for the long kick so at 12-3 although for the amount of ball they had and in, the, in their tactical kicking game it didn't show on the scoreboard you knew the rebels had to they were being run around a lot they were having to make a lot more tackles and you knew it was going to come at some stage and it was just before half time obviously it clicked and then that flowed on to the second half so that Those sort of tactical shifts were great. And then what also I liked as well was we saw that dual game. And and what I mean by that is uh, if we used Tom Robinson's try or A.J. Lamb's try, it was, you know, ball up, tempo, um, you know, if the ball's there and the halfback's not there, the forwards were up giving the ball, um, that offload game, but winning collisions first, accurate execution offload game, and then, you know, obviously crossfield kicks, Tries, but then if the ball was slow, it was good decision making, let's get connected. And Akita and Hoskins' try was let's go together, let's use our muscle, and let's be smart and get the ball over the try line that way. So, having the ability to go between the two. And then, thirdly, dominant set piece, the scrum, you know, they weren't happy with where that should be with the amount of cattle they had, and they just really set the tone and they, you know, delivered at line out and scrum. And then, the most important part, was defence. If you watch Finlay Christie, and, and, and Bryce Heem's denied try is the best example of the defence. Finlay Christie shoots out of a cannon with the back of that line out, and Rico Yuani closes it off and puts his skill set under pressure and obviously bounces up into Bryce Heem's hand and gets a little knock on from Rico. But that was the defensive pressure all night that the right. Blues showed, and their one-on-one tackle accuracy and that constant work together and willingness to be desperate if they were broken um you know and to not have a try scored against them to win 53 although that all that beautiful stuff on attack that i've just spoken about was great it was more on the other side of the ball that was most impressive for me and and that was just a complete performance but it was all done about by working them down in that first 40 minutes to be able to open the floodgates and finish on top of them in that second 40.
2: and make you feel pretty good about where they stand in this comp
3: oh absolutely but i also don't want to um you know start you know crowing from the rooftop yeah. because it, it, uh, there's no need to put unnecessary pressure on them and there's no need for them to put unnecessary pressure on themselves and I and I really like what Todd Coventry's done is he's come out and said no no you know that's just we're one game at a time and I've really refocused and tried to reshape their their trans-Tasman and it is one week at a time and one you know focus at a time and the next job is the Waratahs and you can't take your eye off the ball and we've seen that you know you can't just you can't not be ruthless every day you, you've got to be relentless in that preparation to be um you know a contender for that final and, and you can't even look at the final you can't talk about the final you can't talk about the next week it's the waratahs and that's where their heads are at and that's where their focus is mm. and that's what i like about where where they're shaping this this tournament
2: their draw i think is also quite handy in that way they get to build into it if you have <laughs> the Rebels and the Waratahs early on, you get to get your structures right, you get to figure the Aussies out before you hit the big boys, Bryn.
4: Yeah, I guess you do. And I think, um, you know, they've had a hell of a performance on the weekend. And, um, you know, the well, the thing that I like around your... summary around that trip was, was definitely their, their balance of play. Um, like, if you look at the stats, like it was pretty an imp- pretty impressive attacking display. If you look at it, they had... 28 defenders beat and 19 clean uh, clean breaks and 12 offloads. And, you know, you'd think with those kind of stats there that they ran the ball every single time, but they didn't. They actually kicked more than the Rebels as well. They had 24, 24 kicks and the Rebels had 15. So um, it was a balanced display, um, especially, you know, I look at that. I think it was in the 66th minute the um, AJ Lamb try probably was a great summary of, of how their game went. You know, they had great go-forward ball, great offloading between interplay with the forwards, with the backs as well. And then it, Harry Plummer sees the space with AJ Lamb um, on the wing. Gives him a nice um, attacking kick and it's done easily. But I think that just, that kind of try set up with how they were on, on the game. I think you are right, Jib, that first 30 minutes, they, um, it was a bit of an arm wrestle and they got their points with penalties. But um, yeah, it was a very, very good attacking display and defensively as well you alluded to Jip but um, they'll take a lot of confidence out of that and I think you know the Waratahs team that attacks very well from the amount of points that they saw on the weekend so um, all the messages that's been sent from Tom and their coaches around next task uh, next next game that they have um, is going to be pretty big because I think you are right Jip um, especially in this competition you can't afford to to, um not be on because you know, a loss in this competition is probably, um, it could be a season done. So um, no doubt that we have those conversations in, in that group. But um, a very good start for the Blues. I thought they were the best performing Kiwi team of the week. On that note,
2: I mean, really, week two is a major week because if you lose in week two, you're suddenly in a position where it's it's almost playoff time, isn't it? If you want to make this final.
3: Yeah. Yes and no. I I, I think... With bonus points and just, I feel like this competition is going to tighten up and teams are going to be able to beat other teams that have lost in weeks prior, I think. Well, maybe I'm hoping that you're going to be able to drop a game and it's going to be tighter than we think and it's not going to be two teams that win five that make the final. Just mm. just so it makes a little bit interesting um, because y- you would hope that they get used to each other and that it does create a little bit of a tight gap that say that the reds that lost to the highlanders the reds can you know i don't know if this will happen but if they beat the crusaders this week it doesn't mean the crusaders aren't going to make the final as an example mm. do you know what i mean yeah. and and it doesn't mean the reds can't make the final because they lost to the highlanders because the reds at full strength are a really good side so i i don't think if you drop one it's not but it is you you can't drop two yeah you can't draw and I think if you drop one you definitely have to pick up bonus points to make a final and those bonus points are crucial and I think um you know the way Razor was really frustrated at not getting the bonus point when they're in a great position to shows how important it is and how aware he is of it um and that's just the way uh, most teams are thinking they know how crucial those bonus points are going to be
2: mm, mm. and for, for the force in particular that that missed kick when you say that is it's a huge thing it's one of those this is do or die kind of moments uh, to get to get those points
3: well it's massive for them because it's a home game and the fact that travel for them is so big mm. they've got it like traveling there's hard for teams but then you've got to think they've got to go on the road for three weeks which is you know like if they could have got a home win it makes that you know i suppose road trip a little bit easier and um i just think again it's just such a fighting win from the chiefs and it's just testament to their year that they found a way to win that game like they had no ball uh they you know made double nearly triple the amount of tackles you know two yellows two reds i mean i don't know how they found a way to win it it was that period of of the yellow card for the force that that got them that result as i mentioned before but it is a tough loss um for the force when they had it you know in such an accurate goal kicker but pressure does funny things doesn't it it does
2: what do you make of the chiefs
3: brun
4: yeah to get a win probably is the most important thing for them um you know probably pretty similar to us i reckon um you know um, look, they had, obviously, it's, um, discipline issues very similar to us. Um, and, you know, if you're talking around performance-wise, they probably wouldn't put that up there with the best performance of the year. But you know, sometimes in, the, in, in this competition, you've just got to find a way. You've got to find a way to win. And that shows um, how good, you know, shows the the character of your, of your team. Look, they'll, they'll walk away from that thinking, you know, we could have done things a lot better around there. But um, f- to walk away with, with four points on a short week travel, um, coming off a final, you know, there's a lot of emotional high that you have from a final. We felt that as well. You know, we weren't at at our best, and you know, it just comes with um, having such a high of what that um, final brings, and then you've got to be able to switch off and then change on to the next format, which is Super Rugby Trans Tasman. So um, they'll take want to have a lot of learnings out of it, but um, they'll take that one. It's, it's a crucial four points again, if you if you lose that game, then it's a little bit different. But it shows the character around. Um, with you know you look at the, the yellow cards and the red cards to to be able to scrape through a win in perth which we've talked about is a tough place to play so they not have a, a, um, an honest review but um, they've got the win, and most importantly that's what you needed going, coming from perth going from perth sorry mm-hmm.
2: they've got the travel home and then a game against the brumbies <laughs> it's uh, not, a, not an not easy one not to go easy. in no very very difficult we've had some uh some test rugby confirmed this week tonga and fiji in New Zealand for test matches in July. Um, fair bit of star power. We'll see uh, big Ben Tamifuna and a few other big boys coming back for, for Tonga. Uh, are you excited about those clashes?
3: Yeah, I think it'll be great. I think the Fijian ones will be exciting too if, if they can get some players from the Northern Hemisphere and that should set up for a, for an exciting series. Um, and it'll just be great to see some international rugby again down here and obviously give us a, a good look at um, some you know talent that's been performing well and some, you know, experienced talent, but some opportunities maybe that uh, some guys performing really well during Super Rugby uh, and getting some opportunity in the black jersey and then building uh, towards a a rugby championship.
2: Brent, do you think we can expect to see full-strength teams
4: from Tonga and Fiji making their way here? Oh, it's whether they can get released from from their clubs. I I hope so, because it's a great opportunity for for the Pacific Island Nations. You know, we don't usually play too many test matches, um, especially in a row, um, against them, and let alone in the, in the same year. So, I mean, if for those boys that are playing the Northern Hemisphere or wherever they are um, affiliated to, it'd be great for them to, to come down and play play New Zealand because, again, it's a great opportunity for for a lot of players that we don't play um, the Pacific Islander. the nations quite a lot, especially back to back. So, fingers crossed that they do let them go, and um, it can be expected because you know if, I think the the Tongan game is going to be held at Mount Smart. If you look at the pitches that they had in the Rugby League World Cup. Um, it would be pretty great if the, they could have a strong side to, um, to play the All Blacks in that kind of fixture, especially at that ground and how much support they have in Auckland. That's a Tonga home game.
3: Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's um, in the test window where they release the players, so they should be strong teams. Yeah, and it doesn't always work out games. that way, though it, doesn't, though. it doesn't always, but we can <laughs> be hopeful. Put it out to the universe, <laughs> it'll come back. <laughs> Positive energy. Positive energy. Positive energy. The
2: Springboks. There's no positive energy for the Lions coming out of South Africa right now. (laughs) Alan Wynne Jones is geriatric. He's you know he might as well be on a Zimmer frame as far as they're concerned.
3: And this is a 3 0 series win. Mate, I saw. uh, I think they called him a plotter. (laughs) I was like, oh my god, that is just going to be bandied around the um, changing room for sure. Like that was just ruthless. Some of when the the squad was named, like the coming out of the. SA Media, I, I just couldn't believe it. I was, I was literally gobsmacked at how ruthless they were. Like, I thought it was quite a strong squad. There was a bit of fresh talent in there. Yeah, there was some experience, but I think um, the performance of Alan Wynne-Jones during the Sixth Nation certainly didn't um, come across as someone that was geriatric or um, <laughs> worthy of that uh, sort of examination. I don't know if you, <clears throat> you, you think that way, Bryn, but uh, seriously, um, harsh. On the big fella.
4: Oh yeah, I was um, yeah reading those comments and I was just like, are they seeing something that we're not seeing, Jip? Because um, yeah, look, it's going to be it's going to add fuel to fire, isn't it? I think it just adds a little bit more to. That series, but um, I think if you're, if you're sitting in that South African camp, you're probably a little bit um, distraught about hearing that because it's just going to add fuel to fire for those Lions boys. But no, he's definitely not a plotter. That's for sure. You oh. don't get a hundred plus test being a plotter.
3: No, no appreciation <laughs> for the engine room. There's never appreciation for the big fellas in the engine room <laughs> that clean all the rocks, do the tough carries, you know, win the line out ball, yeah. put the head in the you know in between props and hookers' backsides. Oh, Halloween Jones, mate. You're well, a legend. What it has
4: done, well, what it has done, Jim, what it has done, it's going to send existing messages around the world where we're going to be talking about it. So oh, he's done yeah. his clickbait. He's done it, pretty well, hasn't
3: he? He has done well because, one, we, we are talking about it, and, two, it it's exciting for building into the series, but also I think it, it probably hypes up the atmosphere in their camp. You know, you can really build on this in terms of motivation as players and, and the leadership group, and, and saying, you know, we're going into their backyard. You know, this is what they think of us. No one backs us. Backs against the wall mentality. And there's actually nothing more powerful than that, as a you know as an individual, but as a group, and and galvanising you together when you're away from home. So I, I don't know if they should be chucking out too many more articles like that because it, it, it is it is quite helpful when you're on tour.
2: Yeah the other lions are hobbits like if you can call <laughs> maro toje a hobbit I, yeah that's <laughs> that's a very big hobbit
3: oh <laughs> yeah, i think they're off they're off the bike but um, it's good fun I, I, Well, we all know that um, what was it i think warren came out with the, oh, the friend, red nose yeah the yeah. red nose last time well I think. Imagine if a few players dressed up as, as hobbits. If they win at three <laughs> nil or two one at a press conference, that would be quite entertaining.
2: Yeah. What we do know about Warren Gatland is he can hold a grudge. Like if you know he remembers things that people say and and he'll make you pay.
3: Oh well. So he should. Yeah. So he should. I, I reckon and Jones should just come in with a Zimmer frame <laughs> if they do it three. If they would do it three nil. He should just do something like, oh, with a walking stick or something. <laughs> It'd be fun. I, don't, I don't know. I think it would be quite hard to win 3-0, but it would yeah. be funny to keep in the back in your back pocket.
2: Now, there's also this week, you know, Rassi found his little bit of motivation as well. Rugby Pass wrote an article basically saying, yeah, you guys are world champions, but you haven't played in a year or so, and we're not going to consider you the best in the world. We'll consider you the World Cup champions. It got tweeted out, and in reply, Rassi <laughs> Erasmus says... Lions do not concern themselves with the opinions of sheep. And I was like, wow. Uh,
3: <laughs> so both camps are utilising the media to fire themselves yeah. up. Uh, well, I'm surprised he replied yeah. uh, and that he's, that he's scrolling through Twitter. Um, but he, he certainly knows how to motivate a squad and I, um, um, I'm sure... He might not be concerned with that opinion because, um, as he says, lions don't concern himself with opinions of sheep. But they read them. But he <laughs> certainly, <laughs> certainly reads them. Um, but I'm sure that will be, as I said before, posted up in changing rooms to motivate. Uh, and again, it's dangerous because it does, it does, does flick a switch. And I, mm. think, I think South Africa are in a win-win. And because there is no expectation of them just because they haven't played international rugby for so long, and I've said it before, that if they do well, everyone's like, who they are the world's best and they're, you're only as good as your last game and then they come out and, and they do well. That's like, how good are they? And if they don't do so well, then it's like, well, you know, how could they do so well? They haven't played together, That you know, they're coming off the back of no preparation, rah, rah, rah. So I... You know, like they're in a pretty good spot, mm. um, if you can look at it that way. It's a, it's not an ideal mm. spot, but they're in a good spot in terms of um, how they can come out of uh, out of the series, and they've got nothing to lose. And when you've got nothing to lose, you can almost chance your arm a little bit, um, which will be exciting to see how they approach it from a tactical point of view. And and we know Russi um, is a is a genius of of bringing groups together and and using certain things to motivate. Um, and he certainly is a lion in terms of his preparation and his mindset, um, and the irony is he uses a lion when he's playing the lions, um, but uh, he'll, he'll, he'll certainly have, a, um, I suppose, a, a tactic to utilize that and other things throughout to, to motivate his group.
2: It's a big year for Rossi this year, Bryn. He's got this tour, then there's the rugby championship, which they haven't competed in for a long time. The box this year have got a chance to really consolidate previous efforts. Yeah, they do.
4: And, you know, you look at the alliance series, it's, it's, it's a special thing to be a part of. You don't, you know, it's every 12 years. So um, you have talked around the preparation side of it, around, you know, they haven't played a lot of rugby, but, um, you know, you've got to give them the credit when it's due. You know, they are world champions, and the last time they did play, they won a World Cup final. So, um, and being at home, they'll want to impress, um, you know, We've talked about it a little bit around the crowd, and they won't have that against the Lions, but they're a proud country, and they'll be that excited. You know, you talk around the All Blacks when they want to put on the All Blacks jersey. You know, they love putting it on, and you know South Africans haven't had an opportunity to do that. So, you know, they'll be roaring to go, and there'll be motivation. That's obviously been fueled by the comments um, from few of the media, but um, then they've got the rugby championship. Um, you know, if they, hopefully they, they do play in that because, um, you know, we need them in our, in our competition. We know... Um, Australia and Argentina are great um, great teams but you know having the South Africans is, is really important for the development of um, New Zealand rugby and you know world rugby and uh, rugby championship rugby so um yeah, really looking forward to seeing how they go against the Lions and then you know from that from them playing and getting experience in that game they'll be probably playing the rugby championship where um, you yeah, they'll be wanting to test themselves against you know us Australia and Argentina as well mm-hmm. when you compare their preparation to playing Tonga and Fiji in a lot of ways it puts them in a really good spot
3: a great spot um, I think you know that it's. I mean, that's the that's the biggest part of the year probably, is the Lions series and and it puts them in a, in a good spot to be prepared for what's to come in, in that Rugby Championship and end of year tour. I mean, it's it's really starting at the top of the hill, isn't it? And, and probably coming down. Not that it's coming down. It's probably a, a slight decline because the All Blacks and Aussie and RG are tough, and then obviously the Northern Hemisphere tour will be tough as well. But um, it's, it sets it up after, I suppose, missing a year of footy. Mm. There's nothing, no better way of having that calendar year to look forward to as a player and to test yourself. You know, mm. they've been sitting there waiting, wanting to get back in that jersey. Uh, well, I don't know. There's no better year to, to want to make that squad and, and make every poster to wanna.
2: Yeah, yeah. It's going to be a good year for Test Footy in general. I think we missed a proper year last year. And like people miss playing the Australian teams, um missing seeing the entire year play out the way we used to is going to be big for rugby fans
3: absolutely and i think that showed and how engaged everyone was in the six nations especially down here in the southern hemisphere i i think it was the most engaged i've seen um in that competition you know like if you were talking rugby i felt like when you were at you know barbecues or uh, things with family and friends more people were talking about the six nations than i ever heard before and i think that showed that you know when the international aspect is taken away. There's been a little bit more appreciation for, you know, the world game and and what's been going on and at that international stage. Because you know, and to be fair, I think it was the most you know the best quality rugby um, played in the Six Nations this year, and, and how tight that competition was created a lot of um, excitement as well. Hold
1: up.